Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody, again. How you doing? Okay, I don't like... How's everybody doing again? Okay, I feel much better about my life now that you've done that. Well, we're in this series um, called Love Is, and we're going through the scriptures and defining what love is. It's not an emotion. It can bring about emotions, but love is an action. Last week, we looked at love is patient, dabbled into love is kind. Today, we're going to look at love does not anger easily. Put up those verses. This is our launching pad every week. We'll just read two of the five verses in this text of 1 Corinthians. But I want you to read verses 4 and 5 with me all together. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Next slide. Does not act unbecomingly. Come on, you can catch up with me. Here we go. It does not seek its own. Stop. That's Mother's Day next week because mothers, you are the most selfless people on the planet. Amen to that one? Okay, I expect that kind of response when I say stuff today, okay? <laughs> but thank you for that, though. Um, is not provoked, let's try that again, is not provoked, that's what we're going to look at today, it's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Okay, so when it says uh, not provoked, the word provoke means to irritate, it means to rouse to anger. So love does not walk around irritated, does not rouse to anger. Now, Keep that irritation statement in your mind. Now, as I look around, I think you could agree with me. It doesn't take much looking around. We live in a day where more and more people just seem to be very angry. Any amens? It's just an angry society. There are many reasons for these things, and, and I'll maybe dabble in a few, but we live in that society. Jesus said, in the last days, the love of many would grow cold. Now you're saying, Jimmy, believe in the last days? We've been in the last days in Acts chapter 2, if you read Acts chapter 2. So we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Are we closer to maybe the tribulation? Maybe, I, you know, I don't know. But sure looks like it. But the love of many will grow cold. And so we're seeing this now where people get set off so quickly and they get so angry so fast. It's like zero to 100 in one half second, right? Any amens on that? So as we talk about anger, let me, um, let me share with you something because I think many people, including Christians, are very angry. It's just that we don't recognize what anger looks like because we put it in one dimension. And the dimension we typically put anger in is a person who's blowing up or slamming his fist against the wall or throwing things at their husband or whatever or on the, on the, on the roadway, they're just angry and, you know, the whole shot. Yeah, they're angry, right? But let's take that in a way that maybe is more tangible for all of us to look at. This helped me. It is, I, I've shared this probably 15, 20 times over the years, I've been the pastor for 30 years, and I shared this repeatedly because back in my 30s, I had to realize I was a very angry guy. 
I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Most of you know that story now. I shared it last year. But I was a very angry guy. You grow up angry in homes like that. Um, and so finally in my mid-30s, I had to finally come to terms uh, with, with my anger. And as I was talking these things out, and you got to talk it out or else it doesn't get out and, or else you're going to blow it out somewhere, some way. This is the statement I found and I've never forgot it. And it really helps. That the angry person is uh, like this. They are um, chronically irritated with people or situations or chronically impatient with people or situations or chronically pouting, woe is me, with people, situations, life, whatever. Any one or any two or any three or any combination of those things on a consistent basis, it's not that I get angry, I'm always angry. And whatever tips me, my anger comes out. Amen? You follow me on that one? Now, there are two either or extremes that we can take in this anger. One is we can be an aggressive aggressive where we are quick verbally, I need to talk to you and I'm going to set you straight and what you say, we can get very verbal and very intimidating and, or we can go the other either or extreme and that is we can have it on the inside, we can be a passive aggressive where we keep our anger on the inside but you know, we're going to give that person or our spouse or our family the silent treatment. Any amens? That's anger, guys. So we keep it inside. I was the type who was the passive aggressive. I kept it inside because as an adult child and alcoholic, I didn't like losing control because I grew up in a world that was not in control. So I always kept it inside. The problem with that, problem with anger, period, but the problem with anger is that it's, anger is always revving your emotions, isn't it? It's always wound up. It never ceases. It's always got your foot on the emotional gas pedal and you're running at 100 miles an hour. Imagine your emotions running at that high of RPM for years, if not decades. What eventually happens to your emotional state? You crash. You run out. And in my mid-30s, I crashed. I went into depression because of all the anger turned inward, all these things I never dialogued, never talked out, never got rid of. And when I went through all those things, I realized I've got problems. And I already was beginning to realize I've got relational problems too because of all these things. So anger is something um, that can just destroy relationships. It can destroy a person. So today we're going to take a look at Moses again Go to Numbers 20. We're going to go one chapter before the one we saw last week. Remember when he made the bronze snake and put it up on a pole? Remember that? Any amen? Please tell me you remember that. I'm not, okay, good. Um, but today we're going to get Numbers 20. This is a whole different experience in Moses' life. Last week, he did it right. This week, the anger is going to get the best of him. And this is the deliverer of the Israelites from Egypt. So I'm going to read... Um, five verses first then I'm going to give you kind of the idea of what's going on so you get a good feel of what why Moses maybe reacts etc etc then we're going to take it in three points of what love is in application out of here and like I said Moses doesn't do very well here so starts off right but then he really takes a bad turn so five verses numbers 21st let's go here then 
the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed at Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished with our brothers, perish before the Lord. When our brothers perish before the Lord. Why then, they're talking to Moses, have you brought the Lord's assembly, in other words, all of us, into this wilderness, the desert, for us and our beasts to die here? In other words, we could have died in Egypt. Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us to this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there water to drink. Is it a dismal place to them? Yes. Now, let's kind of put this together, give you the background. At this moment in time, they have now been traveling 40 years in the desert. So they've been out there a while now. This is the moment in time where they're nearing the promised land, they're about to go in. Now, probably the complainers here, probably, I'm not exclusively, are more than likely the last bit of that generation that had to die off in the desert because they did not have the faith to believe to go in back in Numbers 13. So God says, you know, the whole generation's got to die off because God's going to go with people of faith, not with people of doubt when it comes to a big endeavor. Amen to that one? Now, so they're complaining and they get to this moment in time and they're in Moses' face complaining about the situation. Complainers. God Look, complaining is not the best way to go. Anybody say amen to that one? It's kind of like the worst thing you can do. Whether you're a verbal complainer or in your mind and heart, you're complaining. Now, why do we start complaining? I'll give you one of the big reasons why we go down the road of complaining. We lose our thankful heart. We're no longer thankful for the things in our life, right? Let me give you case, two cases in point. Boy, you prayed for that spouse, huh? Oh, God, bring me a spouse. And then you get married, everything's great. A couple years go by, and all of a sudden, she's like the devil woman, right? <laughs> all you see is all the negatives. All you see are things you don't like. Or, you, or wife, you look at that guy, and you see all the negatives, and you used to say thank you for them, and thank you for them, and thank you for this, but no more. Because all it is now is a complaint. And you wonder, why am I so unhappy in marriage? Well, if you'd back up and start to thank God for that person in your life, you would find a lot more happiness in your relationship. Amen to that one? Case in point, you prayed for a job. God, give me a job. God, give me a job. God, give me a job, please. Give me a, and God gives you a job. And you're so happy for a while. A couple years go by. They don't appreciate me. They're not paying me enough. I deserve more. I don't like it here, this and that. And pretty soon, we're not thankful for that anymore. And we start to complain in our heart or to people. And there was one thing. You used to love it. You were so thankful. But now it's just one big complaint. I got good news for you. If you don't like that job, quit. Go find another one. Amen? No, that was a weak amen. You quit. Go find another one, right? I mean, if you're worth way more, somebody's going to pick you up like that fast, right? 
So if that's what you believe. So we have to watch our hearts. Now they're complaining, and they're, listen to what they said. They said, you know, you told us this was going to be a great place, but now we're in this. This is not a promised land. Guys, are they in the promised land? No, but they're acting like they, that is the promised land, but it's desert. Isn't it funny how our head gets all messed up thinking, this is what, this is what you brought me? No, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. God's taking you there, but you're not there yet. What's their number one complaint in their life? There's no what? There's no water. There's no water in this place. And then with that complaint, they say this, you brought us here to, to die. Yeah, that was Moses and God's plan from the get-go, right? Let's send Moses to Egypt. Let's have these 10 miracles, 10 plagues. Let's get you out of there, deliver you. Let's part a Red Sea so we can do all that to get you over in this desert and kill you in Kadesh, okay? That was not God's. That's how ridiculous sometimes we think. But the problem is we're not there yet to where we're supposed to be, where God's going to take us, correct? Question. Did you catch? Did you notice in those five verses something that happened in Moses' life in those five verses? Did you catch it? What was it? His sister, Miriam, she died. Miriam just died. Now, was he close to his sister? You better believe it. And so now he's got this emotional pain Sadness in his life. Listen, loss is one of the biggest sources of anger in people's lives. Loss of a job, loss of health, loss of a spouse, loss of a relationship. That can lead to all kinds, all kinds of emotional pain in life. And it can lead to anger if we don't talk about it, we don't deal with it in our life and get that stuff out of our system. He's lost his sister. Can you imagine your life you have all this emotional pain in your life over here, and they all know his sister died. And yet, you have a group of people just in your face, in your face, and they do not even think about the emotional pain you're in at that time. That's where Moses is at. That's what he's going through. And so, a good lesson there is, come on, guys, you gotta think about what other people are going through, not just what you and I are going through, right? Because they could be going through a lot of a lot of pain in their life. So this is the big background to the story. So let me give you three things about what love is from this story here. Like I said, Moses does great, then he does not so great. So the first thing we're going to draw from the story is love takes a step back. This is a smart move. To avoid anger in our life, love takes a step back. Now let's read verses 6, 7, and 8. It says this. Then Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield water, its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. Good advice, right? Notice what Moses did. It's a high-pressure situation. It can get volatile really fast. My sister just died. There's emotional pain in my life. These people are in my face, and they're telling me I'm not doing a good job. 
And they're telling me all kinds of, they're making up stuff about me like I brought them here to die. So what does Moses do? Watch what he does. He's with the people, that's tension. He takes a step this way, takes a step back, leaves that and gets into the presence of God, that's tranquility, amen? Let me show you that again. He goes from tension, the situation, instead of reacting, getting angry, he leaves the tension, he takes a step back, and he goes into the presence of God, correct? That's a wise first move, is it not? How many times do we get in verbal arguments and we regret what we said? Wow, huh? We regret what we said. We need to take a step back and relax a little bit. Now, did you catch in that exchange when God and Aaron, or Moses and Aaron go into the presence of God, did you notice what they did not do? Moses didn't go in there and start talking to God. He didn't say anything. He went in there and just sat before God, fell on his face, and God did all the talking. Did he not? Have you ever noticed that listening is a vanishing art? That we just don't listen to each other anymore, right? We're not good at it. I'll give you one. How many of you in this room, be honest, when you're in a dialogue or debate or whatever it is, be honest. If you're like me, be honest. This is something I'm not good at. You're already getting your rebuttal ready in your head as they're talking. Raise your hand. I want to know how many peeps I have out there. Okay. Yeah. We got problems, right? Yeah. I'm not telling you not to be able to defend your faith or whatever, but I'm telling you, you're not listening to what they're saying. And you got to listen. Now, there are two realms that Moses now moves from one realm to the other realm. And this is you and I. This is practical right here. Moses, well, let me first, let's read it. Put James up there, James 119. This is Jesus' half-brother. And watch the advice the half-brother of Jesus gives us. He says, this you know, beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Is that great advice? Yeah. He says, you got to be quick to hear. Thus, if you're quick to hear, you'll be slow to speak. And if you do those two things, you'll be slow to anger. Right? Sounds great, huh? That's the spiritual realm. But there is the, <laughs> the culture, right? So this is the Christ realm, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But there's the cultural, flesh realm, whatever you want to call it. We reverse it, do we not? Yes. We get angry. We just start talking, raise our voice, and we don't listen to a word the other person says. Am I right? We reverse those things, and we get it wrong. See, there's two realms there's the realm of the culture, the flesh, whatever you want to call it, or the realm of Christ. In Christ, we're, slow, we're quick to hear, we're slow to speak, and we're slow to anger. In the realm of the culture of the world, we just get angry, and we start talking, we don't hear anything anyone else is saying whatsoever. And we're finding this more and more in the world that we live in, are we not? You're seeing more and more of this stuff in the world we live because the culture is moving away from Christ. It's just what it is, guys. And so Moses makes a great first move. He takes a step back away from the tension and he takes a step into the tranquility, away from the people, into the presence of God. Now, that's a great move he makes, but from here on out, not so good, okay? So let's go point two today and let's see. 
Love views people the way God views people. Love views people the way God views people. Right? Watch these verses, verses 9 and 10. It says this. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. So, so far, so good, right? Verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Now, is he doing the right thing or the wrong thing? It's a wrong thing, huh? Now, now think of what he's doing. All of a sudden, he gets in this situation. God said, speak to the rock. Who is Moses speaking to? He's speaking to the people. He's not speaking to the rock anymore, right? He says, speak to the rock. What will come out of the rock? Water for the people, right? What does Moses do? He's going to hit the rock. Hits the rock what? Have we got there yet? Yeah. No, he's not, we're not there yet, huh? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. We'll get there. So he calls them rebels. That's interesting to me that he calls them rebels. Love views people the way God views people. Question. Way back, 40 years earlier, when God tells Moses, go back to Egypt. This is the message that you give to Pharaoh from me. You go up and you tell him these words. Do you remember the words he was supposed to tell Pharaoh? Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. What did God call the Israelites? Call my people. You even see in the text there, they're called his assembly. Moses stands up and he says, you bunch of rebels. And then the audacity, shall we, shall we bring water forth from you? Really? Moses, you got the power to bring water out of that rock? But he calls them rebels. What does he just do? What did he just do? Listen, this is, this is, we do this, gosh, we do this. He relabels them from God's people to rebels. And once he relabels them, then he can devalue them. Can he not? Yes. And that's what we do. We relabel people, and then we devalue people. Right? Right? Let me give you case in point again. Okay. Um, you are at a restaurant, and the waiter waitress gets your order wrong. How you feeling about that, some of you, huh? Um, some of us take it personal, and they did that on purpose? What do we call them under our breath? A dummy. Right? We've relabeled them so we can devalue them. Or you drive through Jack in the Box and they get it wrong. Like they can hear through that. You know, like they really can get that thing right. I mean, come on. I don't even know how they can hear anything through those things. But they get it wrong. And what do you feel like when you get up there and you, I didn't order this? Or you go, you know, you go to Coles or Marshalls to take that exchange back that you've had for nine months. And they look at, oh, you bought this nine minutes ago. Sorry, and I don't know the, how they work there, but we can't take that back. And then we, what, get a little bit upset? We get mad, huh? And they're only following the supervisor's orders, right? But all of a sudden, you know, well, you know, we get mad. We're relabeling so we can devalue them. Am I correct? 
Yeah, we got to watch stuff like that. Be very careful. That's what angry people do. We relabel so we can devalue. We do it in marriage, do we not? You got to be careful about that. Now, if you're a single person here today, listen to young-looking old Pastor Jim, okay? Okay, because I'm going to save your life. I'm going to save your life. If you listen, you don't have to listen. You can say, oh, that guy don't understand. Listen to me. You're dating, ladies, you're dating this guy. I could easily say, guys, you're dating this lady. I'll use them both. Ladies, you're dating this guy. Watch closely how he treats and relates to his mama. That's the woman in his life. I'll flip it. Guys, watch closely how she relates and treats her daddy. Because the way they treat them is the way they're going to what? They're going to treat you one day. Oh, no, they love me. Shut up, okay? God, you got all that experience, don't you? Listen closely. They are going to treat you that way. And you may think, oh, no, we'll live on love. It's all going to change. No, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. If they, you don't, I'm just warning you right now. Then you're going to come back and say, I need a counseling session because I married Satan's daughter. I trust you. You know, you didn't, you didn't look at these things way ahead of time, okay? So you always want to be very careful about stuff like that because you could get into a situation that you didn't want to be in. But back to the issue. We got to view people the way God views people. He calls them rebels. God called them my people. Be careful. Every human is created in the image and likeness of God. Are they not? Are they not? So be real careful with stuff like that because you want to view them the way God views them. And trust me, you'll have way more peace in your life. Now, the third thing I want to say is this. Love is the key to lasting relationships. It's the key to lasting relationships. And we're going to read verses 11 and 12. Now watch the climax of the story. Then Moses lifted up his hand, and what did he do? Struck the rock how many times? Twice. If you do the discussion questions, I'm not going to give the answer here. You dig it out for yourself. It will be an interesting run for you. Twice with his rod. Hits it, the stick hits it twice. Water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me, to treat me as holy. In other words, you didn't listen. I told you what to do and you disobey. In the sight of the sons of Israel. In other words, and everybody saw it. You're making me look bad, Moses. You're, making, you're painting me a picture of me that's just not true. Like I'm some angry God. I was going to bring forth water and now they think I'm an angry God. Be careful how we live our faith, right? That we show people what God is really like. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Wow, that's interesting. So Moses gets up there and uh, he decides, I'm not going to do what God said. I'm, I'm going I'm to strike that rock. He, just, he, gets re he gets really angry and, and he hits the rock twice. And Moses does not get to go into the promised land because of this. It's always um, 
It's always a greater judgment for spiritual leaders. And rightly so, huh? Because if we blow it, then society can mock the Christian church, right? And we've seen enough of that, if you've been saved enough, you see it here and there happen. People mess up, people fall. But we've got to be careful. We've got to be real careful. Because we don't want to give people the chance to mock Christianity or Jesus Christ or anything else. So it's right to have a stricter judgment for spiritual leaders. Let me pull out two applications in Moses' life in this, and then I'll get to this whole idea of relationships. There's two things I, I really want to point out that I think are really important. Question. How old is Moses at this time? He spent 40 years in Egypt, then 40 years in the desert, now 40 years leading people through the desert. How old is Moses? He's 120 years old. When he hits the rock in anger, how old is he emotionally? How old is he? 10? 11? Angry teenager? Five-year-old? What? You, you, do you catch my drift on this one? See, we can be 20, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. We can be whatever intellectually and physically we can be an adult, but it doesn't mean that we've grown up emotionally. Am I right? It doesn't mean that. And I, I got a lot of experience in that. I had to grow up emotionally because I was not a grown-up one. I got married. I was not a grown-up into my early 30s. I finally had to face up. I'm not a grown-up emotionally. And I had to start working with it. I had to start talking about it. I couldn't pretend it anymore. He's not a grown-up. Too many people. Can you imagine what, what's going on in relationships across this country and because of fatherless homes in every ethnicity? You have these men growing up. They get married. They've never had a father to show them the way to do things. And why do you think marriages break up? Because you have kids growing up and they're physically and intellectually grown up, but emotionally they're not men yet. Same goes for women. It's across the board, all kinds of things. Like that. And then you get these people, you marry, you find, and you marry what's comfortable to dysfunctional people who are 25 years old, but they're about eight emotionally. Is that a recipe for disaster? You better believe it is. We counsel this stuff all the time. And so we got to grow up. Moses, he's emotionally a child, is what he is in that moment. Now, let me give you another application from his life right there. He stands up and he says this, you, what was the word, you, you rebels. The word rebel that he uses, the Hebrew word literally means, the Hebrew word is mara. You ever heard that word before, mara? You find it in the Old Testament letter of Ruth. Mara, it means bitter, or roused to anger. Question. He tells all the people, you bunch of bitter, angry people. Oh, question. Who else falls into that category? Moses does. Isn't it amazing that we can see a problem in somebody else, but we don't see that very problem in ourselves? Isn't that true? Oh, look. Oh, they got a speck. There's a speck in there. Oh, there's a speck in the other eye, too. I see it clear as day. But we don't see the log in our own eye, huh? Do we? Do we? This is a chronic problem, guys. This is an insecurity problem, too. And it's a noble problem. We come up with all kinds of reasons why. I've heard, I hear it all the time. I hear these noble-sounding reasons. I mean, that's, that's, I do that, you know. And so why we're not like that. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Let me tell you what God does. 
This is what God, and I think God has to have a sense of humor on this one. Because do you remember um, Jacob? Remember Jacob in the Old Testament? Anybody remember Jacob? Okay, Jacob. Okay. Do you remember what he does with his father, what he did? He deceived his father, right? Remember that? He deceived him. Okay. Then Jacob, brother wants to kill him. He runs for 20 years. He goes to Uncle Laban. What does Uncle Laban do to him? He deceives him. Isn't that interesting that over here, he deceives his father. He's a deceiver, and he doesn't think anything's wrong with it. And then God allows him to get in within the family of Uncle Laban, and Uncle Laban deceives him. God will... You know that person that bugs you right now? You know that person that bugs you right now? Who do you think put him there? Why do you think he put him there? Maybe to show you, you? I'm not like them. Really? You could be Siamese twins separated at the face. I don't know. It could be. You could be just like that person. And you got to take a look at that. It's highly possible that the specks that you see are the logs in our own eyes. That God does that. You know why God does, puts us around people like that? Because He loves us. Because He wants to heal us. Because He wants to grow us up. You ever thought of it that way? Now, back to the issue. Relationships. Love is the key to lasting relationships. So, um, God says to Moses, because you hit the rock twice, and I told you to talk to it. You're not going in the promised land. You're going to climb up here to Mount Nebo and you're going to stay on this side of the Dead Sea. You're going to see the Jordan Valley. Mount Nebo is in modern day Jordan. You're going to see two and a half million people that you have known and you have led. They're going to cross in but your relationship with them ends today. Can you imagine that? It ends today. There's a lesson there, huh? what anger can do to a relationship. It can sever relationships. It can end relationships. And you've seen, probably seen plenty of this happen. Now, love, on the other hand, would have kept him long-term in a sustainable relationship. But anger ended it. Let me tie it all together with this. Let me go back to an issue. Because the question is, well, okay, how do I get better? I'm the passive-aggressive, I keep it inside, or I'm the aggressive-aggressive, you know, I get irritated, I'm impatient inside, you know, you know, okay, what do I do? Well, in Mark, New Testament Gospel, chapter 8, verse 22 to 25, there's a blind man. And Jesus comes up to the blind man, lays his hands on him, and Jesus says, what do you see? And the blind man says, well, I see people, but they look like trees. That's interesting. They look like trees. Okay. Which tells you that some healings are progressive. They're not instantaneous, right? They progress over time. Then Jesus lays hands on him again. He says, now what do you see? Oh, I see people, and they look like people now. They don't look like trees anymore. I always find that story really interesting, fascinating. Let me try to pull some application out of that for us. He, he comes to Jesus. Let's, let's say it's when we're first saved or whatever. 
and his eyes are starting to open. We're born again. But we don't quite see people correctly, do we? We see them as trees. What are trees? Oh, we cut off branches to burn them, cut trees down, use the lumber for our own purposes, stuff like that. So he uses, sees them as things to be used. But they're people. But then Jesus lays hands on them again, keeps progressing in this relationship with Jesus, and now he sees people correctly. He views them correctly. Now he sees them as people, not utensils to be used for personal gain or whatever else. That's our life. I want to get better. Do you want to get better? Do you want to change? Do you want to grow? Do you? Do you? He was with Jesus, the blind man. He stayed with Jesus to get the full healing, right? He stayed close to Jesus for the full healing. Let me, let me beat a dead horse. Prayer. You need to pray. Even if it's five minutes every other day, sit still before God. Stay close to Jesus. Study the Bible. You need to study the Bible. You need to read it. Stay in the New Testament. Just read it and read it and read it for the rest of your life. Study it. Get a Bible study. Just study it. Because that's what transforms your thinking. Right? Worship. You came in here today as a worshiping. Do you sing? Do you really just... I'm not telling you to sing out loud because, you know, some of you feel funny about it. But just sing. Because whatever you worship, you become like. And these are very important principles that are in Scripture. Do you really fellowship? You get in a group, and I mean really, come on, do you really talk or it just stays inside and you give yourself your noble sound a reason why it's okay? See, you got to stay close to Jesus, and as you stay close to Jesus, all this old stuff, all the anger, all the impatience, all the lack of kindness, whatever it is, looking at people certain ways, relabeling them so it can devalue them, complaining, all that stuff, it begins to slip away and slide away. Because now we're taking on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And now we're moving toward that spot like he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount so you can be a mature person, a mature person in Christ. And when you get there, when you start to get there, life gets way better. Your mind calms down. Anybody want a calm mind? It's not spinning everywhere. We're not looking at people in judgment. We're not looking at specks when we have logs in our own eye. We're viewing people correctly because we're spending time in the presence of God. And we can sustain friendships with people that even irritate and bug us because we realize, I got some of that in me. And I got to grow now. I got to grow now. Love is not easily angered. If we follow these simple steps over a lifetime, watch what happens. Watch what happens. Amen. I'm done. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just want to give you a simple challenge. If you haven't place your faith in Jesus Christ you've never um, begun your walk with him as your Lord and Savior and the only God 
And I mean put your belief in him. And belief doesn't mean, well, I, I believe there's a God. That's not what it means. In the Bible, it means you jump all the way in and you surrender your entire life. That's what it means. Because he's God and he knows better than you and me. God is a personal God. He's not a religion. Jesus Christ came here. He's personal. And he came to save you and I from our sins, to forgive us of our sins. And you can enter into this relationship with him. A personal relationship with him. And your sins can be forgiven. And that opens the door to a great eternity with the Lord. And if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus today, have your sins forgiven and begin your relationship with him, excellent. Or maybe you backslid, maybe you walked away from God for whatever reason. But you know, you know what? I, I, need to, I need to get this right. I need to walk with Jesus Christ. Excellent. So if you'd like to place your faith in Christ or rededicate your life, I just want you to do one thing as a sign between you, me, and God. I want you right now, right where you're at, every eye closed, I want you to open up your eyes and look up at me as a sign between you, me, and God. And when our eyes meet, you can close them. Do that right now if you could. If you could. God bless you. 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 God bless and you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I'm going to lead those of you who looked up at me in a prayer. I want you to repeat it out loud after me. Everyone here is going to repeat it with me so you're not alone. But as you repeat it, you place your faith in Jesus Christ the God-man, God in the flesh, the creator of the universe who came to save you from your sins and from yourself and from Satan. So let's repeat this prayer. And those who looked up at me, put your faith in Jesus as you say it. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to save me, for going to a cross and shedding your blood to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord. And I know I'm forgiven. Come into my heart. Save me. Dwell in me. And I thank you that I'm born again. Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who looked up. I pray, Jesus. I pray that you walk with Christ for the rest of your life. That you surrender your life now. And you start taking the right steps for the rest of your life with him. He laid down his entire life for you. It's okay to lay down your life for him. We thank you, Lord, that heaven rejoices over anyone who repents. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen, amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.